Amen. Uh, I've been, uh, gosh, we've been as a church for over half a year, we've been on a series called the Pastoral Letters. I want to say this is the 26th week that either me or Kara or a guest speaker has preached specifically on the topic of the Pastoral Letters. And the Pastoral Letters uh, are First and Second Timothy and Titus. Uh, and so um, we covered First Timothy and Titus kind of together, and then we're focusing on Second Timothy. The the book or the letter of Second Timothy is awesome because it it was Paul's last letter. It was the last letter he wrote. It was the last book he wrote. Um, and if you read this, especially next week, next week I by I believe we'll close out the series next week. Um, there's just a, there's an importunity in Paul's words. It's I've, this moment has to be seized. This moment has to be taken advantage of. And, and there's, there's even a heaviness to it. I mean, I think uh, we see that Paul knows that, that the end, you know, that his life's coming to an end. He's in jail, um, and he knows what's around the corner for him. So he is pouring out into Timothy, and not just Timothy, but the church at Ephesus and other leaders. Here at the end, he just starts rattling off, you know, things, almost like a, let me get this all out. Um, and so it's a very passionate it's a very passionate book. And, you know, it's been cool because as I've been preaching it, man, there's times I get passionate about it. I, I really, I've asked the Lord, give me that same sense of passion that, that Paul wrote this letter in. So um, so that's where we're at. And, and we're going to cover um, oh, about eight verses tonight, I believe. So uh, let's read a little bit. Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, the last chapter in this book. And we're going to start at verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So what's what's Paul saying? I think it's pretty clear what he's saying, but let's just let's just remind ourselves. Paul's saying that. Timothy, you're going to find people who don't want sound biblical teaching. That's who you're going to come across. They don't want it. They don't want sound Bible. They don't want the word. He's saying, Timothy, they're going to turn their backs on truth and seek out entertainment. So he's saying, Timothy, stay focused. Don't get caught up in that. Keep your cool and do what you were called to do. Have you noticed that a really a lot of really smart people, including theologians, you know, it's easy to talk about a pursuit of knowledge, our pursuit of knowledge. But in my experience, I found that most of the time it's not really knowledge that people who tout that want. It's recognition. It's it's attention. It's a kingdom building measure so that their name is the one that's remembered and that's on everyone's lips. We have a pursuit of knowledge as well. But ours is different. It's not book knowledge. It's not information knowledge. We have a pursuit of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
When we pursue knowledge, we're pursuing a person, the person of Jesus Christ. We're pursuing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just, I want to gain a bunch of information. I want to gain a bunch of of context. I want to have knowledge. I want to have a knowing of the person of Jesus Christ. The difference is that in our scenario, it's not our name that we want to be remembered, but it's the name of Jesus Christ. And we don't want it to be remembered for our sake, but we want it to be remembered so that others can have knowledge of Jesus Christ. We make it about Him and about others coming to Him. It has to be about the kingdom of God and it has to be about the fame of Jesus Christ. I love the saying, and I say it all the time, I'm here to make Jesus Christ famous, more famous, more famous. Make it about Him. To to let it be His fame that is known. In our pursuit of knowledge, we can't get swept up in right and wrong. We can't get swept up in, in facts. What we have to get swept up in is truth. And Jesus is truth. So I, I, want, I want to be perfectly clear about something. I'm not, I'm not opposed to being witty or entertaining. Um, I, I actually I love making people laugh, and I think I am I think I'm pretty entertaining. I crack myself up all the time. I really do, you know. And you know, and th- there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and the reason I say for me there's nothing wrong with that because that's my personality. Um, I, I've man throughout grade school I did stupid things just to evoke a laugh, and now my son does the same thing. I mean, you know, he just, if he can make someone laugh, it's okay if he gets in trouble, you know, for the sake of making the class laugh. And I was the same way. And I've matured a little since then. So now, you know, but there's nothing wrong with with, uh, serving God in the midst of our personality. My personality is one that's outgoing and goofy. I'm perfectly content in my goofiness. You know, folks, let's be perfectly content in your goofiness because, you know, you guys got goofiness too. And, and we've we got to be comfortable and let God use it. So I'm not opposed to be to be in, you know, uh, we're not real formal, right? But that's not our purpose. My, my purpose up here is not to entertain you and it certainly is not to please you. My, my purpose up here is to point you to Jesus Christ and to go through His Word together. That's why we... We project the words up here. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can still read along. Because it's not, you know, um, anecdotes or thoughts that's being preached, but it's the Word of God. See, I don't pick a theme. Here's how I preach. I don't pick a theme and then go, let me find scriptures to support what I want to preach on. And there's a ton of preachers out there that do that. I'm going to preach on... Uh, serve in the community, so now I'm going to find any support I can, whether it's in context or not, and just to support it, I'm going to throw out rapid-fire scripture, and that's not, that's not my style. We go word by word, because there's not a bit of the Word of God that is boring. There's not a bit of the Word of God that, that is unable to change lives. And so we just, there's times I'm like, wow, we covered one verse. Let's close in prayer. And that one verse was awesome. <laughs> and this is like a marathon for me. If we cover if, and there's no promises, if we cover eight verses tonight, that is a marathon for me. Because, man, I just, I love to park at each verse. Because the, the Word of God is great. 
So let God use your personality. But let it be Jesus that's remembered and not your personality. Amen? So who are the type of people who won't listen to sound and wholesome teaching? Instead, they reject the truth and chase after myths. Who are these creative entertainment seekers who reject the truth? So I've got three three things in common that these that I believe is common with those who are seeking entertainment and not truth. Number one, intolerance. They don't tolerate the truth. Oh, they'll say that, that they're tolerant and they'll accuse us of being intolerant. But when push comes to shove, they have no interest in the truth. They have no respect for God's truth and his standard of righteousness. And my friends, that is intolerant. That is intolerant. We don't have to make excuses for the word of God. You know, people are like, well, do you believe this and this? Well, I, this is what I believe. This is what the word of God says. So boom, boom, boom. And, and this is what I believe. Oh, so you're saying this and this. Well, let me come back to this is what I believe. And this is what the, I mean, it's real easy to point to and go, yeah, this is, this is what I believe. And friends, there's no quicker way to get people stirred up and for you to be called narrow-minded. Oh, you are so narrow-minded. That is what you believe. You are so small-minded. You are so intolerant to think that you're the only one that has the truth. Well, no, I'm not the only one. There's millions of us that believe this. Yeah, this is wonderful. I'm not the only one. But this is what I believe. Okay, none of you have been to my new house yet. If I gave you my address... You could come in from one direction or the other, but the bottom line is I have one address. There's one place that I will be moving to. So for all of you that help us move, whenever we move, there's one of two streets. I mean, you can come in from this side or this side, but that's it. There's not unlimited ways to get to my house. There's not. And the closer you get, the more narrow it becomes. Okay? The closer you get to my house, the more narrow the paths come to the point where it's like, I got to go left or right. That's the same way with life. It's not all oh, all roads lead to God. That is not true. There was a narrow road that Jesus Christ walked that led to the Father. And Jesus Christ didn't make it about works. He didn't make it about, about anything other than, than laying down his life in grace, not based on what we can do for him, but based on God's love for us. And he was that narrow path. He was the way, the truth, the life. The second thing that I think that oftentimes the entertainment seekers have is amusement. They reject truth for sensationalism. Sensationalism is this. This is Webster's definition of it. It's the use of exciting or shocking stories and language at the expense of accuracy. How crazy is that? It's the use of exciting or shocking stories and language at the expense of accuracy in order to provoke interest and attention. That's what sensationalism is. And you guys, that, that prevails in our churches. That prevails in our churches. You know what? If I want to get attention right now, all I got to do is just like, like say the S word. You know, I just got to... You know, I just got to get stir myself up and say, and that's a bunch of, then drop the S word. And all you guys will leave. The only thing you'll remember is I was so brazen. Wow. To use the S word. And you don't got to, you know, 
That's sensationalism. I don't want you coming remembering anything else except for Jesus glorified. These people want to be amused and entertained, and they only want truth that fits their viewpoint. They won't entertain a viewpoint that conflicts with their feel-good theology, what they feel, what works for them, what seems exciting. And by golly, no one can tell them any differently. And the third characteristic is self-focused. Their message suits their own selfish desires. Though they claim to be objective, their only defense for their viewpoints is that it meets their needs. False teaching can be found many places. And Paul, man, Paul takes it head on in, in the books of 1 Timothy. He comes straight with it, man. First chapter. Like, hey, Timothy, how you doing? False teachers! I mean, and then Paul just comes with it. And then he addresses it in 2 Timothy 2. And it's a shame that it's found inside the doors of some churches. But like Paul's instruction to Timothy, we must keep a clear mind in every situation. And we must seek God's word for the truth. I, I plead with you, please don't take my word for it. Please do not do that. Don't assume I'm right just because I'm up here and have the Janet Jackson thing going on. You know, with the with the head thing. Control. That's right. I'm well start dancing. That's right. Guys, don't don't assume I'm right. Why in the world would you assume I'm right? My degree is in graphic design. I'm not a theologian, didn't go to some seminary. If what I'm saying isn't supported by the Word of God, I'm not right. It has to be the Word of God. I have no agenda but Jesus. Jesus is my agenda. You guys, the things we preach, this isn't the best way to grow a church. Let me be honest with you. JJ, preaching Jesus and Jesus and Jesus isn't the best way to increase your numbers, but it is the best way to grow a church. It is the best way to grow a church because we will be a people whose faith is strong and whose heart is set on the Lord. And God will grow the church. This is His church. It ain't my church. I, I don't feel bad. You know, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. It's His church. Now, where, what I care about doing is growing the kingdom, going outside those doors and telling people about Jesus. Now, that is my responsibility to go out there and grow the kingdom. But to grow the church, it's His church. Seek scripture to confirm that I'm not full of it. You know, and like I said before, this is why I preach what I preach. Man, let's bring the word up there and let's go buy it. So in reading that passage, verses 1 through 4, we see that Paul prophesied that one day this would happen. It says it. One day, boom, boom, boom. This is Paul being prophetic, saying this is what's going to take place. And friends, guess what? Boom. We are smack dab in the middle of it. We are in the middle of it. That day is here. The next verse, verse 5. But you, but you, okay? But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. 
fulfill your ministry. This is awesome. I tell you, this makes it so easy to preach one verse. This one verse is awesome. That word sober, here's how it's translated. To be calm and collected in spirit. To be temperate, dispassionate, circumspect. That's what it means. But you, be sober in all things. Be calm and collected in all things. How do we combat this type of false teaching and this type of sensationalism and this entertainment mentality that that comes our way? We just look to Scripture. We just Let's just look at verse 5. Number one, be calm and collected in all things. Don't be a hothead. The last thing that Jesus needs is another hothead out there showing a lack of patience and a lack of wisdom and a lack of cool in trying to spread the good news of Jesus. If you can't keep it together, then just keep your mouth shut until God grows you up where that you can be calm and collected and not lose your temper and keep your emotions. God, in the Garden of Eden, we see that He gave us dominion. So my friends, we have dominion over our emotions. Our emotions do not have dominion over us. We are created to be people of dominion. And we have dominion over our emotions. They don't rule us. We rule them. And I, and I used to be a hothead. There's times I'm like, oh, yeah, interesting. Uh, elaborate on that for me. You know, I'm a passionate guy. But I'm told in the Word to be sober in all things. Be calm and collected. Don't let your emotions prevent you from sharing the good news. Be like Arthur Fonzarelli. And Arthur Fonzarelli was what? Correctamundo. He was cool. We got to be cool. We got to keep our cool. Be passionate. But obey the word of God. Too many Christians have given Jesus a bad reputation because we aren't cool. I mean, I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm serious. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. You know, don't be that person out there just losing it, you know, at the first time someone disagrees with you. To keep cool when you're being agitated and taunted by people or circumstances, do this. Do this. To keep your cool, just simply do not react quickly. Just don't react quickly. Do you know how many decisions we make when we, we've we got the liberty of time? you know how many decisions we face every day that we do not have to make a spontaneous emotional decision? We can give it a second. Huh. I don't know. Let me think. Yeah. It's okay if I think that through. Uh, great. Great question. Great point. Great whatever. Um. Let me chew on it. Let me, I don't know. Is that okay that I not answer right now? You guys, there's so many times we think we get forced into making a decision and it's oftentimes an emotional one. Statistics show that there's a good percentage of us in this room that our first response is emotionally based and is wrong. You know who you are and I know who I am. And so there's times just go, all right, I don't got to decide now. I got time for my second response to kick in which is more spirit-led than flesh-led. Amen? You know who you are. I don't, you know, we, we're talking, you know. 
in any work of ministry that you do, you must keep a clear head. Keeping your cool in every situation keeps you alerted to temptation. Keeping your cool keeps you alerted to temptation. Temptation is not sin, right? Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted and Jesus did not sin. Temptation is not sin. When we keep our cool and we and our emotions are in check, in check meaning they're under the submission of the Spirit of God. Lord, have your way. Lord, I need you now. Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit, come now. I need your peace. You can say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. He's hearing you. He's responding. Paul or David commanded his soul, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all this within me. Bless his holy name. I know you don't feel like it, but you will bless the name of Jesus because he is worthy. So soul, bless the Lord. We've got to command ourselves at times. Right now, soul, flesh, you come under the submission of the Spirit of God. The Lord reigns. You don't reign flesh, and I don't reign either. I've made him Lord. You know what I'm saying? Keeps us alerted to temptation. It also keeps us resistant to pressure. And it keeps us effective. Effective in carrying out our responsibility. Effective in carrying out our responsibility. We have a responsibility. I mean, last week, that's all I preached. Our need for teachers. Our need for people to, to bring the word of God. That, that's our responsibility. And when we lose our cool and we make it about us and we let our emotions just have, have the lay of the land, we're ineffective. Period. Number two, we see in this verse five, let's keep, keep that verse five up, please. Endure hardship. Endure hardship. Be patient. Be thick-skinned. And let God heal you quickly. We can heal quickly, friends. We are to endure hardship. There's work to be done, and we are to live with endurance. If you're writing down scriptures, I'm, I'm not going to pull up all of them. But Luke 21:19, by your endurance you will gain your lives. Second Corinthians 6, 4, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance and afflictions and hardships and distress. Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised you. Hebrews 12.1 James 1.3 James 1.4 James 5.11 All verses on endurance. You know there's times that Kara will like you know, I'll use Cadence as an example. You know she'll be like Cadence get over here I'm going to give you a hundred kisses and Cadence is like, no! And Kara's like, get over here. And she grabs her and... And she's counting. She's counting too. It's not random. And she won't stop till she hits 100. Other, other side. And she'll turn her around. And Cadence is like, ah, no, no. My friends, that's not enduring hardship. Okay? You know, that's not enduring hardship. Let's not pretend like the easy stuff's hard. There's, life's got plenty of the hard stuff. And we're to endure it. We're to have endurance. If I could be so lucky. Could you make that threat to me later? <laughs> Thank you. The third thing we see in this passage, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Friends, we've got to keep the good news of Jesus alive. 
We have to share Jesus. We have to share our testimony of the abundant life that we have in Christ. Let me encourage us with this. When we're sharing our testimony, let's not glorify the past. Let's talk about the life we have in Jesus now. That's my testimony. He's my life now. Uh, you don't want to hear about that. I was lost. I was this and this and this. Okay, okay. But let me tell you about now. This is the good stuff. We're to share. Do the do the work of an evangelist. Friends, we can't be lazy. It's work. There's work. There's commitment involved. Do the work. It didn't say like do the ice cream sundae of an evangelist. Oh, that'd be awesome. I love the ice cream sundae of an evangelist. It's do the work of an evangelist. Don't be lazy and self-focused. You notice the things I'm talking about, they totally go against those entertainment seekers that I missed earlier. We need to get off our rump and work. Friends, if not you, then who? If not me, then who? I'm not going to leave it to one of you. If we're out there and all of a sudden someone comes and they're like, yeah, I've just really been having a tough time. You better beat me to the punch. You better beat, you better beat me because I'm like, I'm sharing Jesus. I'm sharing Jesus unless someone's quicker than I am because I'm not going to leave it to chance. I'm sharing Jesus. And with the caveat that the Holy Spirit might tell me, you know, keep your mouth shut. Chris is going to share Jesus. You know, let's see, I'll turn it. But the guy got to be committed in that work. Think about work. We show up on time. We give it our all. We go home tired. Right? Let's apply that same mindset set to our calling to do the work of an evangelist. And then we see that we're to fulfill our ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Finish the work. Don't finish what you started. Finish what? Finish what he started. He has already begun the good work in you. You don't got to start anything, man. You just got to jump into what God's doing. I'm in the flow. He started it. Finish the work that he has began in you. We have no need of an original work in this church. We just need to see what God's doing and jump in. What's he doing? What's he flowing? What's, what's, and just jump in and do it. His heart is already for the things that we're not doing. There's many ministries we're not doing right now, but his heart is already there. Do you hear what I'm saying? His heart's already there. He's already in favor of us doing these things. Let's jump in and do them. I, I love that Mia has done that. Man, she's just jumping in with what the heart of God was and doing the work of ministering to women in prison. She just jumped right in and she's doing it. Finish what he started. You're in it for the long haul, so pursue and live a life with endurance. Last week we showed that, that Paul purposefully used repetition to tie in his encouragement to Timothy with how he himself was doing the work of Christ. And we see that again here in verse 6. 
For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Fight the good fight. Finish the course. Keep the faith. Wear the crown. I'm just going to kind of hop back and forth between verse 5 and what we just read here in verse 6 through 8 to see Paul's use of repetition. Number 1 in verse 5, be calm and cool in the midst of battle. What does he say in verses 6 through 8? Fight the good fight. Be calm and cool in the midst of battle. Fight the good fight. Number 2 in verse 5, have endurance when life is hardest. And friends, life is hardest when you are weary and tired and, and and you haven't quite seen the finish line. Once you see the finish line, any runner will tell you that's when you gain, that's when you gain vision, man. But what about when you can't see it? And you're like, it's got to be around this corner. And you round the corner, and you're like, oh, it's not around this corner either. That's when life's the hardest. That's when we're in most need of endurance. And according to this, this is when we're to finish the course. In verse 5, it says, do the work of an evangelist. Here it says, keep the faith. In verse 5, it says, fulfill your ministry. In verse 8, it says, wear the crown. The prize that's set up for us. In Roman athletic games, the most coveted prize was the laurel. That was the laurel crown that was placed on the head. It was the most coveted of prizes. It was the victor's crown. And this is most likely what Paul is making mention of here. It was a symbol of triumph. It was a symbol of honor. And Paul makes mention saying, I do desire to wear a crown. I do desire to wear a victor's crown. But it's the crown of righteousness that my righteous king will put upon my head. Uh, there's not a believer that I know that doesn't crave and desire to hear the words that will be spoken when that crown is placed on our head. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful worker. Well done as that victor's crown is put on our head. You might be sitting there now going, yeah, I can see Paul getting that, but I'm not Paul. Who, who am I? I'm not Paul. So I love that Paul says, pull up at the end of that verse 8. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. But not just me. Paul's saying, hey, I'm, this isn't an exclusive club that I'm a member of because I'm an apostle. To all who have loved his appearing. That word appearing. It's, uh, gosh, I want to, the word is epiphania. It's where we get the word epiphany. 
that word the appearing is here's how it's translated it's it's a greek word that the greeks the non-christian greeks used about the appearing of gods onto earth and here's what it means the unveiling of himself the one who was once unknown and unknowable now magnificently appeared in presence and power in loving help. So people talk about an epiphany. I've had an epiphany. That's what an epiphany is, my friend. It's the unveiling of the one who was once unknown and unknowable. Him revealing himself in presence and power to help. We know who the appearing was. It was Jesus Christ who appeared in power, who conquered death, who defeated our sin. Do you love the fact that God, whom you did not know, appeared to you in the person of Jesus Christ in all power to help you and save you? Do you love the one who appeared? If the answer is yes, then it's not just Paul who will wear that victor's crown. It's each one of us. It's each one of us. My friends, we got to finish the race. we got to finish the work of the ministry that God has called us to. We've got to live our life with endurance. We've got to be thick-skinned. We've got to keep our cool because it's not our message that we're getting out there. It's the message of Jesus Christ. It's our King's message. There's a lot of work we do that we don't always see the end result for. If if we were called to plant an oak, we would never we would never enjoy the benefits of that oak, my friends. We would never get to climb it. We would never get to enjoy its shade. We would never get to build a treehouse with kids in it. If we planted that oak, we would die before its growth had taken place. So does that mean we don't plant the oak? Because we won't benefit from it? So our kids, when they're weary, they'll get to sit under that tree. Right? When they're weary, they'll get to rest upon it. They'll get to enjoy its shade. And then their kids get to enjoy it to the fullest. The third generation will get to enjoy that oak to the fullest. Its beauty, its power, its magnificence, its shade, its strength, its wood, its whatever is needed there. We've got to be a part of something that is bigger than us. We've got to be a part of something that outlasts us. This can't be about us. This can't be about us. It can't be about what's in it for me. Friends, there's so much of that out there. That's not... That message is preached every Sunday in churches. You know, when push comes to shove, Jesus did the work he did on the cross because of his love for the Father. The Bible says, about the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son 
Jesus suffered and pain and was beaten and humiliated and mocked and died to please his father. Because the, the father wanted it to be so. Because the father loved us so. We've got, we've got to be doing what we do for the sake of our king. The father gave Jesus the name that is exalted above all other names. The name that, at that name, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess and acknowledge him as Lord. Here's, here's the awesome thing we get to do. We get to freely say, I make you Lord. We get to freely say, I make you Lord. You're the boss. You get your way. You get your way. In my life, you get your way. Friends, when we share our testimony, you know what we're sharing? I lack no good thing. I miss out on no good thing. Living a life victorious in Jesus Christ, I ain't missing out on nothing. There's certain things I don't want to do. There's certain things that, that, that God has said don't do. They're just going to cause hurt and pain. I miss out on no good thing because I have Jesus. You guys, he loves us. And it's, it's impossible for me to, to just even think about the words. Well done. I mean, the favor of God, his, his affection upon us like that, who doesn't crave that? Just to hear my daddy say, well done. Good and faithful servant, good and faithful worker, there's work to be done. You guys, there's work to be done. So let's do that work. Let's make it about him. Let's put our emotions and our feelings and every that, all that under the submission of the Holy Spirit and let's walk in power. Let's, let's move in power. And there's times, let's just be patient and not be rash. Let's keep it together and let's, let's glorify Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your words. And Lord, we thank you for the life and the encouragement and the power and the strength that comes from it, Lord. So we just give you praise tonight that we leave this place stronger and encouraged and inspired and happy. Not because we were entertained, but because we were in your presence. Because we heard truth and we experienced truth, which is you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we repent. As a people, as a church, we repent for the ways that we have wanted to be entertained. For the ways that we have wanted to have our ears tickled. For the ways that we have wanted our way. Uh, we've wanted our cake and been able to eat it too. Lord, we repent for the ways that we've been childish. And Lord, we repent for the ways that we've been selfish. Church, let it not be... Let it not just be me, the only one up here repenting right now. Let it be all of us. Lord, we repent for making it about ourselves. Lord, we repent for even posing the question, what's in it for me? Lord, we repent of letting our emotions reign 
and not you, Lord God. We say right now, you are Lord. You are Lord of my life. You are Lord of Impact Rock Church. And we desire that you be Lord of Erie. We desire that every person in this town and in this community, in this area, and in this state know you, Lord God. But we know for that to happen, there's work to be done. And so we say yes to your work, Lord God. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name. If everybody could keep their eyes closed just for a moment. My eyes are wide open. But if everyone else, just stay locked in for for a couple minutes. If you're here today and you want to place your trust in Jesus Christ, I would love to pray with you. If you believe in Jesus, but maybe you've just never made him Lord of your life. My friends, it's not enough that we believe. But it takes that receiving of his free gift of salvation. It takes that saying yes to his plan, saying, I make you Lord in addition to being Savior. I believe in you that you paid the price for my sin. But now I say yes to you as Lord of my life. If you are here today and you want to to give your life to him and receive the fullness of the life that he then gives to you, I just want you to lock eyes with me and raise your hand. Just as recognition that it's that, that God is stirring you this moment. Is there anybody that wants to say yes to him this night? Lord, I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for every individual. Lord, every couple, every marriage, every family, every child in this place tonight, Lord God, and I just proclaim your blessing. Lord, you are good. Lord, your mercy endures forever. So when I just bless those that are here, Lord, I thank you that we get the chance to leave here, Lord, stronger, that we walk out of this place encouraged, Lord. But the work not done, Lord, your, your, your healing work in our lives not done. So Lord, I just thank you for everyone here, Lord. I just proclaim your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.